Attention, passengers. Please make sure that your listening devices are in their locked and upright position. And please secure all podcasts in the overhead compartment. It's Schmanners! Host Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. This week we're talking about travel. It's travel part one. This week is going to be all about boats and planes. Next week will be all about trains and automobiles. Um, we kind of anticipated that the majority of what we were going to talk about was going to be planes. Boats these days are mostly cruises, right? Because nobody really takes a boat, a transatlantic boat ride. Usually you go on a plane for that. You know? Yeah. So it's more recreational boating. Well, I think, and there's lots of people that I'm, I've read about and seen on the TV that take a boat, a, a schooner, perhaps maybe a yacht on a sailing trip. But it's not really like, but how do I deal with other passengers? In right. that circumstance, you're like probably with your family That's or friends. That's a very luxurious vacation. Luxurious. That's a very good way to put it. But planes, I would say that unless you have a phobia and you've specifically chosen never to do it, you've probably been on a plane at some point in your life. Right. And I think that these two modes of transportation through uh, have pretty much switched from the beginning of history, whereas the lower classes would take boats... And then once planes, you know, were invented and available, that's where the upper class would travel. And now it's kind of switched, right? Because if you're on a yacht, you probably own that yacht. Am I right? <laughs> you know what I mean, everybody? <laughs> if you're on a yacht right now, I hope you own it. Or so, someone you know owns it or you have some kind of claim on it. Maybe you're a pirate. We don't know. Are we big in the pirate community? Have we found, we'll, we should check the, the stats and find out like where, how many people are in international waters when they listen to Schmanners. Okay. You're in charge of that. Okay. So I'll look it up. Let me make a note. Now the masses really take airplanes, um, because airline, airline travel has become a lot more affordable. Now I'm not saying that it's like super affordable, but it's a lot more affordable than it used to be. Well, I think that, uh, and we, will dip out of economy here in a second, the economics of it. But I think that it dipped real low for a while, and now they're, like, creeping back up. So it's like, man, this is expensive, but what else are we going to do? Right. Um. So let's start with boats then, get boats out of the way, and we can get to, uh, we can get to the planes. Now, this is interesting because this is going to be a scenario in which I know very little about this. I've never been on a cruise. I've never, I've ridden on like ferries. I've ridden on like, you know, fishing boats and speed boats and stuff, but I've never been on a boat for an extended amount of time. I have a couple of friends in the entertainment industry who have, um, performed on cruises and manned cruises. A lot of our friends just got back from the, the Jonathan Colton cruise. Yeah. So this is a big thing. And I, and as such, my point is, I have no idea where to begin asking you questions. Well, okay. So let me start with the kind of obvious. You are going to be on this boat with these people for at least a week. It is important that you are kind and courteous to everyone, especially people who you sit at the dinner table with, which are often assigned, um, so that you can all have a really good time for the rest of the week. If you find that you do fight with your dinner mates, you can always speak to the maitre d' and see if you can get your table changed. Um, 
But it is important as well that you do your homework and see what it is that you need to pack because a lot of cruises have formal dinners that you are supposed to attend. I mean, you've paid for it, so you should go. Um, but you do need to be dressed appropriately. Okay. I would also say, um, and this is the like the one thing I know about open water, open ocean cruises, be careful. Apparently, it's not uncommon for people to get lost at sea. I mean, not super common. It's not like you have a 10% chance or something, but it happens. Be careful. That's not, I'm going to say the only reason I've never been on a cruise, but it happens. If only you could see the horrified look on my face. I'm just saying, if you're going to go on a cruise, I'm not saying that this is an etiquette thing, but like, be careful. Okay. Be careful. All right. Um, also remember that the cruise ship, while it may be quite large, it is really not that big. In your day-to-day life, you probably don't encounter the same people every hour of every day, but this is basically a giant metal box. Um, so don't leave personal items out anywhere, especially to like save lawn chairs or deck chairs or whatever, um, because there's not a lot of them and there are a lot of people who want to do that. Noise carries really far in this big metal box I was talking about. So um, try and be quiet in the corridors. You never know who might be Think sleeping around. Think about like around. a hotel. You don't want to go. Yeah. Run, like you wouldn't go running up and down the hall screaming or singing drunken pirate shanties in a hotel after like 10 p.m. Don't do that on a cruise ship. Right. Last thing I want to say about the cruise is that everything has a sign-up sheet. Everything is first come, first serve, even like gym equipment. And so if you are going to participate in something and you sign up for it, make sure that you are there or you cross your name off. Same thing goes with entertainment. It is limited space. Not everyone can sit in the same auditorium the whole time. So if you're going to save seats, do it just for your immediate travel companion, not a large party, because lots of people want to get in there, and it is first come, first seated. Let me ask you two questions that um, before we move on to planes. What about seasickness? Um, I am told that the larger the boat, the less likely you are to get seasickness. Indeed. Okay, interesting. Now, you may or may not have the answer to this, but in your opinion, say I get seasick, I, you always see it in like movies and fictional accounts of like cruises of people like puking over the side of the boat. I would guess that in real life, that's probably heavily frowned upon, right? Yes. Especially on a giant cruise ship where it's probably one thing if you're like right next to the water and you're on a fishing boat. It's another when you're like a hundred feet up off the water on a cruise ship. Most likely that vomit is going to end up all over someone on a lower deck. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Um, my other question was, uh, and you might not know, this might be something we have to go to our, our listeners for more experienced cruise dealers. Even on an, like an all inclusive, um, cruise, do you tip like, you know, wait staff and bartenders and, you know, the cleaning crew, do you know? That's the kind of thing that you need to do your homework about because different cruise lines are different. A lot of the smaller cruise lines um, have a gratuity included that is shared amongst everyone on the ship. Um, but they also say that if um, somebody goes out of their way above and beyond for you, that you should get their name and put a tip in an envelope and hand it directly to them as you disembark. Um, Interesting. The larger cruise ships will let you know in their online reading material what is expected of passengers as far as tips go. Great, great. All in all, be conscientious. All right, you want to move on to planes now? Sure. This is the big chunk that I think will probably be uh, most most useful for our listeners. 
So where do we start? I mean, I think everybody has, you know, been in an airport before. Right. I would actually like to start in the 1940s. Okay. A little bit farther back than the airport, but I can get behind it. So in the 1940s, um, really the idea of, of passengers on an airline started. Okay. Uh, they had airplanes before the 1940s, but they were mostly for like, you know, military stuff and cargo. Um, and in the 1940s, they pretty much just put chairs in a cargo plane. Like there was, yeah, there wasn't like aisles and, you know, lavatories and lights and places to put things. It Everybody was, just slid around. Um, I, I bet that they bolted them to oh, the okay. floor. That's probably true. Right? I was literally picturing like you got to grab a loop on the wall next to you to keep your chair from sliding everywhere. But that is a thing because I, I picture when I, I think most people when they think of air travel now think of like, you're very tightly packed in and you're right. like shoulder to shoulder and kind of wedged in as many people as will fit. But then you see pictures of people like in couches and lounges. And right. Stuff. And that kind of air travel really took off in uh, with the arrival of the Boeing series of mm-hmm. airplanes where it was a lot of really luxurious room where it was basically the same way you would live on a train okay. where they had different kind of sections of the airplane and sleeping sections and like a dining area, all that stuff. So it was like they took a train and put it on an airplane. So this is the idea of like the jumbo jet. Right. Right. Okay. It was very expensive. Yeah. Um, first class passenger in today's money would have been about $18,000 a ticket. Whoa. Really? Really. So it was more for luxury than it was practicality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the, the, the cabins really reflected that anticipated luxury there were fully catered meals and champagne and um like you said big couches and people in suits all kinds of stuff there's an episode of supersizers go i think it's the 70s episode Mm -hmm. where they like recreate a plane meal and it's like with champagne popping and like steak and everybody's smoking cigars and stuff and and caviar and 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 like that idea to me is so Interesting, because you think of it now, and when we think of plane travel, it is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. It is like, okay, well, I'm going to get on the plane, and then I just need to like shut down for five hours, and then I'll be in New York or whatever. And it really didn't used to be that way. People got really dressed up, like you were going out for dinner just on a plane. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So how did we go from that to where we are now? Do you think And this is not so much in the history so much as just it, we had to make money like um, I definitely think that there's a little bit of that competition and trying to just make more profits, cram more people in less space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when, while people wanted to travel on airplanes, it really wasn't affordable for normal people. So they you know, squished everything down and made it like assigned seating where you couldn't get up and go to different cabins so that they could make it worthwhile for the ticket to be less. And that way it became more practical and it became a lot more. I was thinking about that the other day. Just every so often when you're flying, if you ever start to feel cramped and start to feel kind of fussy in your seat, I always think about the Joads in uh, Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> and like, if you think about how hard it was for them to get from Oklahoma to California and what a struggle that was and what like a triumph it was to get to California. And I can hop in a plane and be in New York in five hours from California. We drove across the country, um, which if you haven't done, I highly recommend it. It's very interesting. You see a lot of the 
country. It's great. We drove from Ohio to California. Took us about nine days um, of driving eight to ten hours a day. And the fact that I can fly back to Ohio in four hours is mind-boggling. It really does put things in perspective, doesn't it? It's very, like, it's not teleportation, but if you think about, like, comparatively, if you go from nine days of ten, like, 90 hours to four hours, it's a, it's pretty damn close if you could go back in time and say, hey, old-timers, you're gonna be able to cross the country in five hours. That would seem like magic. Yeah, definitely. So... I I said that people used to wear evening dress and tuxedos and stuff. But nowadays, I see a lot of people in their pajamas at airports. Uh And while I'm not going to turn my nose up at those people, maybe they have an extenuating circumstance. But I really don't appreciate pajamas on a plane. I'm going to counterpoint that and say, I get it. I wouldn't do it. I don't. Uh, I, let me say this. I don't agree with it, but I definitely think there's times when I'm on a plane and I'm, uh, I stopped wearing jeans now and now I wear dress pants because they're a lot comfier to sit in for five hours than jeans where I'm like, man, I wish I was just in sweatpants. Well, I mean, there's so many different fashions of loungewear these days. Like you can wear knits, um, that are a lot more forgiving. And like you said, you can, you don't have to wear jeans, but I think that it's important that you look like you got out of your house on time. I don't know. No, I agree with that. There is something to be said about maybe if we all took it a little bit more seriously and a little less cavalier about like the fact that we're all going into the sky in a giant metal bird, we could maybe make it a little bit more magical again and not <laughs> such like a grueling experience. I mean, really think about it. look around the airport the next time you're there and be like, Oh, everyone hates this. Right. We, when we went on our honeymoon to Scotland, we were flying back and this was the extent of the inconvenience. We had to go down the jetway, go down a set of stairs, get on a bus. And then they drove us to the plane. That was it. And there was this gentleman next to me that the whole way was just going, unbelievable. Un- unbelievable. And I was like, wait, why? Why? Like, they're not like, you have to stay in France now. You don't right. get to go back. Like, you, all we had to do was get on a bus to get to the plane. And like, the part of this that's unbelievable is we get in a giant metal bird and it takes <laughs> us across the ocean. Not that we had to get a bus to get there. That part is very normal. Right. So, again, please do your homework before you get on your plane. Know what the uh, security port protocols are. Know how much time you have in between your layovers or whatever. Know how much time you need to get through the airport. Right. Especially if you're traveling in a big city for the first time. Oh, boy. Yeah. And um, it is recommended that you arrive at the airport one to two and a half hours early. That's to do all that stuff. We routinely, when we travel, we show up two and a half hours before because, like, what are you doing? What are you doing in your life that you know you have to fly that day and you're like, but I can't spare. Like, my life is I'm ready to go four hours before the flight. Like, I didn't book other things that day. I'm traveling that day. That's what I'm doing that day. Well, let's hope that everyone has the the amount of time as we do. I hope so. Especially, okay, listen. I understand that sometimes life can get you down. Sometimes it can, the day can get away from you. But when you're traveling on Christmas and it's like December 23rd, you need to block out that time. But we traveled this year out of LAX, a huge, poorly run, confusing airport. And there were people constantly rolling up like, I have to get through the line. I have to go now. I'm, my plane takes off in 15 minutes. It's like, why wow, you did this 
bad. Yeah. And when that kind of thing happens, do remember that the airline staff and the security staff have little to no control over things like the weather or like planes breaking down. And they let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing the best they can. I would also say that this is where you run into that idea of like, okay, you're going to panic. But remember, there's like 10,000 other people in this airport who are also trying to get somewhere. Like I see so many people go shoving past people or like, you know, bum- hitting people with their suitcases because they're in a hurry. And it's like, hey, everyone's traveling, man. Like we're all also trying to – we're not extras in your movie. We're all also trying to get places. Yeah, we're all in this together. So in that way, when you're in the terminal – and getting ready to board, here are a couple of things I'd like you to keep in mind. Don't put your luggage on a chair unless there are many chairs to spare because we all just want to sit down a little bit. It's a little, little hectic in the terminal before you get on a flight. So give us, give everybody a little room. Um, remember that every airline boards differently. So don't stand up more than one section ahead of your section. If you're listening to this and you're one of those people, I'm just going to jump in here and say that this is probably our elbows on the table issue. A lot of people ask about this. Um, I'm going to get on my soapbox for about 35 seconds and say the problem is it's the herd mentality issue. Right. Because one person stands up and then three people are like, what? Oh, uh, well, if, why, are we standing up now? And then they stand up. And now it's like, well, now everyone's standing up and I'm not going to get on. And if one person just said like, hey, we all have tickets. Now, I understand that there are flights, like I think Southwest does this, where it's like unassigned seating, mm-hmm. and that can get a little bit tricky, and I understand that. And, you know, uh, every flight I've been on for the last, like, five years has been oversold when it comes to, like, getting luggage on board. Right. So I get that, too. But the fact of the matter is you end up blocking the 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 jetway, and it takes so much longer because you're blocking the gate because people in like zone five stand up when zone one is announced and you got to fight through everybody. So you're slowing down the boarding process. Right. So, um, I mean, we should all be speedy when it goes to getting those things together. But, you know, it just it takes time to funnel all those people onto that metal box. And also it takes time to pull a plane up. It takes time to like get the plane ready to go. Don't you want them to take their, that's what always bothers me when people are like, how long is it taking to fix the plane? And I'm like, don't you want them to fix it really good? I do. Like, why would you be like, just slap some duct tape on there. Let's go. I got to get to Phoenix. Like, no, <laughs> let them fix it. All right. So Travis, we have our luggage. We are, we're on the jetway. We've boarded the plane. Now what? Now you shove your tiny bag up into the overhead compartment and it's like, wait, wait, is it wheels out? Is it handle out? And you're shoving it, and you're shoveling it and your genitals are in the face <laughs> of the person sitting down already and you're trying to slam the luggage closed and then the person comes along and you're now scooting. Is that it? Uh, no. Oh, what do we do now? So ideally, your luggage should be in the oversized, the overhead bin above your seat or across the aisle. Now, if you get on the plane last and there's not room, please use the um, flight attendant to tell you where to put your things or if there isn't any room. Hopefully, they will suggest that they take it under the plane and you can pick it up when you leave. Flight attendant is a job to me, by the way, interjection here. Flight attendant seems like a job that if you're nice to them, it's so, it seems like it's so refreshing to them and they'll be so nice to you. Like I try to be pleasant to flight attendants and I've never encountered a flight attendant that I was pleasant to that in turn was mean to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like flight attendants 
it is literally their job to attend to you. Mm-hmm. Treat them with respect and they will be nice to you. Yeah. Um, you should be doing that anyways. They're human beings. Treat everyone <laughs> with respect. Let me ask you a question. This okay. comes from um, Rhenium on Twitter. Um, if I have a phobia of flying and must take medication, should I warn flight attendants slash roommates? Hmm. It, I would say that if your medication is the kind that is going to knock you out or cause you to forget what it is you are doing, Yes. If it's just something to relax you, put you to sleep um, gently, <laughs> then if you're just being chill, there's no need to do that. And I would also say from experience, because this happened to me once, uh, you, if, if this is how you feel, if you have the Sylvia, you probably have a lot of nervous energy. Make sure before you talk to a seatmate that you take a deep breath and you try to release as much of that nervous energy so you don't do this. <laughs> I, have, I have to take these, I just have to take these pills because you know, flying. And a woman did that to me once. And like oh, that was the rest of the flight for me was just like side eyeing her the whole time because I thought she was going to kill me. Uh, yeah. yeah. So make sure deep breath before you explain anything. That's a great idea. Um, also, it, 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 we had another question about sedatives and Oh, man, this isn't going to help. I don't know if I should say it or not. Should I say it? Sure. Okay, so here's the thing. If you have a phobia about flying, it is actually not a good idea to knock yourself out before takeoff because most of most of flight issues happen during takeoff and landing. So it is actually incredibly unsafe. I know this from Bunker Buddies. It's actually incredibly unsafe to be sedated or drunk during takeoff and landing because in case of emergency, you're less likely to be able to take care of yourself. You need to have your wits about you. It's actually the time when you should be most on point is during takeoff and landing, Mm. which is just in general, if you're sitting down, you should wait to fall asleep until after takeoff. Yeah. And I think that if you um, wait to fall asleep till after takeoff, you've you've taken care of all of that ear popping too. That's that's more comfortable. Yeah, it's better. And, And, you know, also like... That's the most magical part of the whole flight is takeoff. <laughs> it's awesome every time. I love flying. Oh, I have a question for you. Okay. Speaking of sitting down, like, okay, you, uh, I found that there's a certain amount of roles, right, that you fall into where the person by the window is controlling the window. Mm-hmm. The person on the aisle is the one who's kind of like the gateway to how often you can get up. Uh-huh. And the person in the middle is like the elbow armrest kind of tricky person right okay i'm gonna start with the window all right shutter up or down um i really think it depends on the time of day okay if it is the time of day where people would prefer to be sleeping shutter down if it is the time of day and the flight is maybe not very long go ahead and keep that shutter up if you're going to go to sleep, close the shutter. Oh, yeah. A window person, close the shutter. Because, one, person in the middle is not going to look over you to look out the window. And that's happened to me so many times where it's like, well, I want to sleep, but, like, you left the shutter open and I have light in my eyes. And if you're going to open, if you want to see, like, it's, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, super bright, person next to you is sleeping, but you want to see if you're over the Grand Canyon, pop it open, look, close it back. Most of our devices that you're going to use on an airplane are backlit, so you can always add more light. It's harder to make things darker in a plane other than closing the shutter. And that question came from Lucas. He asked about the window shutters, and that's what made me think of it. Thank you very much, Lucas. Well, let me ask you this question. This came from Lucy, um, and I already know the answer to this. I've noticed more people on planes letting electronics, iPads, iPhones, play media out loud 
rather than using earbuds or allowing their children to me to do this. To me, this is completely insane. I love that this is not a question because I don't know a single person that thinks that this is okay. On an airplane, it is very loud anyway, just from the air and the engines and all of that stuff going on. To have your device just play out loud is really not helping anyone. It's kind of just adding to the din. I feel like it's the same Ashley asked, what's the etiquette uh, regarding conversation on red-eye flights? I assume the rule was no full-volume conversations when everyone else around you is trying to sleep, but I've run into several people lately who weren't on the same page as me, and I want to punch them. <laughs> we actually had this happen to us on the way to yes, Scotland, we didn't did. we, dear? It was like a 12-hour red-eye flight, and there were these two people behind us that met when they sat down and did not shut up till we landed. They yeah. talked for 12 hours straight. Their mouths must have been bleeding by the <laughs> point we landed. Like, I didn't know humans could physically talk for 12 hours straight. Yeah. The um, problem is, especially if you're near the engines, the level you have to talk at to be heard by one another, if you're not, like, comfortable enough to lean in and talk into someone's ear, mm-hmm. you're it's too loud. It's too loud. Right. It's too loud. Um, I feel that the same rule that applies to the time of day determining if the shutter is up or down uh-huh. also applies to this conversation deal. What, that was I, very, that was very inconsiderate of those people. Especially since in general, I, okay, this, this might just be me being a terrible person. I'm not sure. I don't like small talk. I don't like meeting strangers. I don't like it when people talk to me on a flight that I don't know. I don't, you know, and it's one thing when I get this, like, hey, where you where are you heading to? Oh, what for? Oh, that's great. But if it's like a six hour flight, like I need to zone out, my man, like. Well, after the pleasantries, let's hope that people around you get the gist. And if they don't, oh, that's awful. So sorry, guys. And put in your headphones. And we had somebody say, like, don't say headphones because they ignore them. Then ignore them because I've been in that position where I had headphones on and somebody kept trying to talk to me and I could not. I had a book and headphones like I couldn't more be saying. And then I just stopped responding to them because I was like, oh, I have headphones on. I just don't hear them. Yeah, it works. Um, Michael asked, what do I do if someone falls asleep on my shoulder? Oh, you know, that's really hard. Um Because my general feeling is if it's a, a short trip. Like maybe a subway ride or a bus ride that's going to last less than 20 minutes. They really needed that. Why Are not just be nice? In your ear, though? <laughs> I, I would say that if you don't know them, you're completely within your rights to like lay a hand on an arm and say, oh, excuse me. Don't like shake them and scream at them. Right. But a, a gentle like, excuse me. And then they'll wake up. Yeah. And they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, be sorry. Be kind and wake them up gently. If it's any more than 20 minutes and most plane rides are. They they should they should uh, next time plan and bring their neck pillow. Okay, so we talked about uh, the seat that's by the window. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the aisle seat. Okay. Okay. So there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with being in the aisle seat, and one is you're the person that during the drink service and the snack service that's kind, of, especially if you're with the other two people, that you're kind of like the the go between handing stuff back and forth and mm-hmm. kind of being like, did you guys want anything? Oh, they they said they wanted a ginger ale. You know what I mean? That kind of becomes your role. That but, was some nice role play there. Hey, thank you. I did. A, I was trying to do a lot of dynamic. So it sounds like I'm coming from over here. Um, <laughs> I actually, for the first time in a long time, just had an ILC. And I was so enthused because I forgot how wonderful it is to get up and go to the bathroom whenever I want. Yeah, that must be nice. It's really nice. 
But there's also a certain amount, of, like, if you're there, you know, especially if it's in a three-seater, you know that you've got two other people that are going to be getting up and going to the bathroom. Yeah, you have to be prepared for that. And I'm not saying that you need to stay awake the whole time, but if you're in a middle seat or a uh, window seat and you need to go to the bathroom, uh, it would be nice for you to hold it as long as you can while they're sleeping, but you should never give yourself a UTI well, just to, and, just and to listen, save like that the, person. At the end of the day, like... We're all in this together. Yeah. I've, I, I, I go through that panic every time I'm like, I gotta wake this person up to go pee. I've never once, and I travel a lot. I fly a lot. I've never once woken someone up so I could go to the bathroom and had them be upset about it. Yeah. Like people are like, yeah, you have to go to the bathroom because mm-hmm. you're a living, breathing human being. Let me, speaking of going to the bathroom, PK asked on Twitter, in an airplane waiting for a lavatory, waiting your seat or stand near the door so you don't get beat to the facilities. Um, more than one person standing up really crowds the, the people right by the bathroom there. So I would say that. If you are in line, next in line, you can stand there. But other than that, you should wait until the line dies down a little bit. You know what my rule is? What? Number of bathrooms plus one is how many people can be waiting there. Oh, okay. So if there's two bathrooms, three people can wait? Mm Mm-hmm. Not just two people in. So that's five people total out of their seats? Correct. Hmm. Only because, like... There's going to be two people waiting and then you're next in line because I think more than that, you know what I mean? So like there's two people waiting and then you can be there ready to go, especially if you've set because I will do this where I'll sit and be like, I don't want to I don't want to crown the area. And then someone else does. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like going through like three different people. I'm like Ben in that one episode of Parks and Rec where he's letting all the cops go in front of him. (laughs) You know, it's like I really need to go. I've been waiting 20 minutes because other people are being inconsiderate. If that happens, you can crowd it a little bit because we're all in this together. And like I, I, I think that that's one of the things that we've kind of gotten away from in travel is that idea of like, yeah. oh, this is uncomfortable for everyone. And if we just acknowledge that, it might become a little bit less uncomfortable. Right. And try to be a little nicer to each other. We're going to talk more about this. Um, we're going to be right back, though, after a word from another Max Fun show. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you my new baby, Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. This is going to be a really fun look at things that I find curious, whether it's a menstrual cup, it might be the Romanoff family, it might be fracking, it could be Carly Fiorina. I don't even know. Who knows? It's going to be whatever I think is interesting. I can't wait to bring it to you guys. We're going to be bringing in content experts. I'm going to be learning the things. It's only going to take about 30 minutes for you to expand your baby brains with me and have a super fun time. So I can't wait to see you on our first episode of Getting Curious. Okay, so now the big question. All right. Elbow armrest center seat. What do I do with my elbows, Teresa? Okay, I am going to refer to my girl, Emily Post. Mm -hmm. She says... Window seat gets one armrest, the one closest to the exterior of the plane. Uh huh. Aisle seat gets one armrest closest to the aisle. Middle seat gets two armrests. I so agree. Um, and that's the trade-off. In in my research, she doesn't elaborate exactly why, but here is my postulation. I think because the person in the middle seat is the most inconvenienced, yes. is the most sandwiched in, yes. they deserve both of those armrests. Agreed. Agreed. 
It's only fair, people. Now, I, I think we might get some flack for this on the on the Facebook group. I'm really sorry if you think that on the aisle you should have two, but I I really think I, the most uh, magnanimous thing to do is to give that middle seat both armrests. I can tell you why. I'm going to justify it right here. Okay. Outside of just like the person in the middle is the most like, if you're on the window seat and you want to lean somewhere, you can lean against the wall. If you're in the aisle seat and you're feeling claustrophobic, you can stand up whenever you want to. But if you're in the center, you cannot conveniently move in any direction that's mm-hmm. not inconveniencing left and right. So you're actually paying the person in the middle not to encroach on your space. Okay. I can dig it. Speaking of, what about leaning the chair back in front of you? Oh, boy. Okay. Another hotly debated topic amongst our our this is another elbows. Yeah, this is yeah. another elbows. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out there and say, first of all, most airline seats only recline up to three inches. Can you believe that? Three. It feels silly like so much more. Inches. It's really not that much. It feels like so much more when I've got my tray table down and I've got my laptop on it, and they recline, and then it pushes the lid a little bit closed, and I can't see it anymore. Happens a lot. I have a giant laptop. But it seems like a lot more when it's the seat in front of you suddenly encroaching three more inches into your space. Right. Um, you should keep your chair in its upright position for takeoff, landing, and during any meal service or drink service. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does make the tray table a little more inconvenient for the person behind you. Um, I sometimes recline my seat and sometimes I do not. Do you do it only when you're sleeping, or do you do it uh, sometimes when you're not trying to sleep? Um, I I do both times. Uh, some I'm I haven't. I cannot pinpoint a specific example wherein it was because I was sleeping. I have sat behind people who have default, like as soon as takeoff is done, recline their seat and didn't move it until landing. That that is inconsiderate. That is inconsiderate. And in a way, people also brought up a lot like little kids kicking the back of their seat. That happened to me very, very recently. And I very calmly turned around to after uh, coaching from you, because mostly I would just in normal circumstances sit there and be frustrated for three hours. And you were like, just say something. It'll be fine. And I turned around to that and I said, excuse me, um, I hate to bother you guys. He keeps kicking my seat. And the dad was instantly like, oh, yeah, sorry. Hey, stop kicking the seat. And it was so much better after that, that I was like, oh, that's not inconsiderate. That's just literally like doesn't know. Right. And I would always suggest when uh, when you have a request of a child that you speak to the adult with them um, because one, the, the child is more likely to listen to that adult than you anyway. And two, it, it's typical that the parent of a child is there and they might feel affronted should you request something of their own children. So you always want to say, excuse me, sir, you may not know this, but your son has been kicking my seat. Could you please ask him to stop? And speaking of kids on planes, I'm going to do all the parents who travel with their kids a favor and let you know other people that are not the parents of those kids. If you're, if you feel inconvenienced by a child <laughs> who's screaming and having a really bad flight, 
just imagine how that pair must feel, because now not only are they next to the kid who's screaming, they also have to feel like the embarrassment and shame that for some reason is forced upon them of like, control your kid. It's like, it's a child's. I saw, it's a child. I saw on the Facebook group that there was a little bit of a debate about those little goodie bags mm-hmm. that I've seen mostly just on like BuzzFeed. Yeah, I think that's the only time I've seen them too. I don't, I don't really think that that's a thing and I don't think that anyone should feel like they need to uh, bring a goodie bag for no, everyone on ew. the plane. Um, the the people around you, if you apologize enough, well, well, they'll understand. They have to understand because again, I think our mantra for this episode is we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Honestly, it's my favorite thing about flying. And the thing I think about whenever I start to get very nervous on a plane or I start to get like scared during turbulence or something like that. And it's a very zen um, kind of calming meditation that I do where I think about the fact that like in this moment right now, everyone on this plane, my fate and my life is deeply interconnected with theirs. Every bump, everything is me and them. And when we land, we'll all go off in different directions and we'll all, I'll probably never see most of them again. But in this moment, our lives are so deeply intertwined that like everything I do affects them and everything they do affects me. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think that if you think that way, it kind of helps inform like, should I listen to my music without headphones in? It's like, no, we're all in this together. Right. Um, One last thing I want to talk about being on the plane is if you are so unfortunate that you become ill, they do have those bags. Um, But if you feel like you're going to be ill, try and make it to the lavatory or Mm -hmm. at least let a um, flight attendant know. Uh, they, they'll do their best to help you most of the time and, and nobody wants to start a chain reaction of, of the vomits. Um, but you know, they have those air sickness bags and if you really are in a bind, use it. But once you've used an air sickness bag, you do need to locate the flight attendant mm-hmm. so they can dispose of it properly and help you a little more, whether it's maybe you need a blanket or just to walk around or sit in the lab for a while. Oh, this is a good question. This is from Mike. If you are in first class and thus have nigh unlimited alcohol, how much is too much for being on a plane? Well, I have heard that your uh, absorption of alcohol is different in cabin pressure. Interesting. Um, And so I would recommend that you would have less than you would at dinner. One, because you are probably not eating as much. And two, because you need to have your wits about you on a plane. Mm -hmm. We talked about that earlier. Um, So if the plane is four hours, goodness. Well, okay. No more than one drink an hour. But I'm also going to say. No more than that. And I've been, I've been guilty of this in my younger years. But don't, why are you getting drunk on a plane? Like, it, especially if you know you're the type of person who gets loud and boisterous. Like, that, that's the thing. If you're going to have two drinks and then fall asleep, fine. Go to town. Who cares? <laughs> but if you're like, if you're three drinks in on a four-hour flight, that's too much. Like, that is too much drink. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a certain amount of, like, why, to what extent what are you trying to achieve you're not gonna have a fun super good party time on this Mm -hmm. plane so if you're not trying to sleep or calm yourself now you're just getting drunk and that's never a good way to drink so we should say maybe get a little bit tips yeah but not crunk yes i would say two drinks two drinks maximum for a four-hour flight 
three for six. I would say one drink every two hours would be my limit. Okay. Because and like you're you're a uh, an average size male. Thank you. So I would say that that's probably for even less for smaller people. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the magic. <laughs> All right. So let's say uh, we're landing. Trade tables okay. locked upright. Chairs locked upright. Right. Be careful because some overhead stuff might have shifted during the thing. Uh-huh. We've landed. Yeah. Let's say we've just wheels touched down. Okay. Um, Stay seated with your seatbelt on until the fasten seatbelt sign is off. And then, like, for real chill, okay? No one is going to get off the plane any faster than the people who get off the plane first. Um, if you have a connection, why not speak to the people, a, a tight connection, uh, speak to the people around you and let them know. And maybe, just maybe, they'll be cool and, and they will let you versa, off first. Vice versa. Yeah. If you don't have a tight connection, if you're at your final destination, especially if your flight was delayed a little bit and you know it was delayed and there's probably people sit like yeah. we all want off the plane. I think that's the thing is I think that we've hit on it a dozen times, but I think in air travel, everyone starts to forget like, oh, yeah, everybody else hates this, too. Right. You see people who get up and push to be one person earlier in line to get off the plane. And it's like, oh, did did you not want to wait the extra point zero three seconds? Yeah. Like I said, nobody is getting off any faster than the first person in the first row. There's there's just no way. And it's super crammed and super tight. And we should all be speedy and not like lollygag. But, you know, let's all chill for a while. Also, I would say avoid this when like there's a delay and it's like, well, we landed, but we have to wait for our gate or like we're taxing this. Ugh! Yeah. It's like, okay, well, they didn't do it to upset yeah. you. Like, nobody wanted that to happen. It's not like we're doing it because we hate you. Right. It just makes everybody stressed out. Mm-hmm. It's the inevitability. We've sat on planes for like an hour before waiting for a gate. It happens. Like, the majesty of getting you across the country in five hours should be enough. <laughs> so, stay calm. Don't push. And um, if you are waiting for a travel companion or the rest of your group, get off the plane onto the jet bridge or even into the terminal to wait for those companions. It's better to wait. in a, If you're going to wait in the jet bridge, take a step against the right. wall. Wait there. Don't stand in the middle. If you're waiting for luggage, if you had to gate check something, wait against the wall. Don't just like mill around because then you're slowing down the process. And when you're pulling bags out of the overhead compartment, watch out for the people around you. Please mm-hmm. don't brain anyone with your luggage because you're a rush to get to Tulsa. It's going to be okay. One way or another, you'll get there. I promise. I really like it when you get my luggage out for me because I'm a showdy. Well, I'm very big and you're very little and we're very fun. Uh, <laughs> but it's just that idea of like you got to gauge that moment. Everyone's okay. Don't rush, but don't don't dilly dally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, the mantra of this episode is we're all in this together. Yeah. Everybody hates traveling. Like I love flying and I hate traveling. Do you have also, any more questions? Oh, 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 no. We moved so far past this, I didn't even say it. Uh-oh. When you're going through the security line, mm-hmm. be ready <laughs> to go through security. 
Travis really hates this when you're like in a big, long snaking line and you've had so much time to get your liquids out and your laptop out and your um, ticket and your passport or ID. And then you get up to the person who is checking those items or you're, you know, just before you get to the x-ray machine and they're not ready. And you're like, oh, can I not have this giant bottle of water? <laughs> Let me stand here and slam it. <gasps> do I have to take my belt off? Yes. All yes, right. We all, but my point being, do the things that you can to improve the experience for everyone. And one of those is to expedite that process. Okay. Um. So you've landed. You're getting off the plane. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Any other words of wisdom? Label your luggage clearly. Oh, God, yes. Because it's better for everyone. <laughs> and, and don't shove past people at the at the baggage carousel. Yeah. Don't shove past people in the taxi line. Don't shove past people in general. That's such good advice. <laughs> also, here's the thing. This is important to note. This is a helpful travel tip from Travis to you. A Travis travel tip. Oh, oh boy. In a lot of places, it is illegal for Lyft and Uber and other ride-sharing programs to pick you up at the airport. Here in Los Angeles, you cannot call a Lyft. I think maybe they just recently changed it. You could get an Uber. but At a specific platform in a specific area. So make yourself aware of what it is in the place you're going to, if that's your plan, because what you don't want to do is get to a place and be suddenly stranded at the airport because they can't come pick you up. How thoughtful of you, Travis. Well, thank you. And be thoughtful of the people who are picking you up from the airport. <laughs> this is this is a good advice that people don't normally think of. Like, if you can, ahead of time, arrange a place where they can pick you up. But when you call the person, communicate very clearly to them. Like, okay, I'm on Delta. I'm standing here. This is where I'll be. I'm ready to go. Right. And offer gas money. Even if they don't take it. Offer gas money. That is very sweet. Well, and then you. a thank you note. Remember thank you notes? Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to all the other amazing Maximum Fun shows. There's a ton out there. You're going to love it. If you like this show, I highly recommend Sawbones, Still Buffering. I don't know. My brother, my brother and me. It's not the same kind of content, but like, I think you like it. I'm on it. Um, I would like to recommend this week. This week we got this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really like that show. I could honestly, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the network, I could recommend every show on the network. I all, listen to all, all of them. these shows are so good. I listen to all of them, and they are all great. Uh, we also want to say thank you to everybody who's gone on iTunes and rated and reviewed and subscribed. It means a lot to us. It makes us look super cool when we get together with all the other podcasters every week to compare numbers. It makes us feel... That doesn't really happen. I wish it did, <laughs> but it does make me feel cool, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you for following us on Twitter. Uh, you could follow us... Um, at Schmanners Cast. You can follow me at Travis McElroy. And I'm at Teresa McElroy. You can join our Facebook group. Um, if you are on Facebook and you're a Facebook group joiner, you can join Schmanners, um, Schman, I think it's just Schmanners podcast, but Schmanners, just search Schmanners. You're going to find it. S H M A N N E R S. Um, you can also join the Max Fun Facebook group, which I highly recommend so you can find out about all like live shows and special events and stuff. For example, we've got Max FunCon East and West coming up this summer. And if there's tickets available for either one of those, you're going to want to go. Trust me. We've been to a lot of Max Fun Cons and they are great. Super awesome. Super fun. And of course, we have the Max Fun Drive coming up. We talked about that on our last episode. Um, so you're not going to want to miss out. So go follow, uh, the Max Fun Facebook group. Also follow Max Fun HQ on Twitter and don't miss a single update. Awesome. Is there any other thank you you want to give out? Always. I want to thank my girl, Emily Post. 
We also want to say thank you to Brent Black for doing our theme song, which is now available on iTunes. By the way, you can get that as a ringtone. Go on iTunes on your uh, your Apple device, your mobile phone, and look for it in the ringtone section, and you can have Schmanners as your ringtone. It's great. Um, we also want to say thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for designing our logo. It's beautiful. Go follow her on Twitter and ask her to do some work for you. And yeah, I think that's going to do. Oh, uh, thank you for everyone suggesting new ideas for shows. Oh, yeah, that's very, very helpful. And thank you for everyone to ask questions every week before we record the episode. We'll go on Twitter and Facebook and ask if anybody has any questions about the topic. Next week is going to be travel part two, all about automobiles and trains. So if you have any automobiles and trains, and I'm going to include subways in there, <laughs> if you've got any questions, make sure to either you can ask us ahead of time or look out for those tweets and Facebook posts and you can respond to them. That's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. This has been Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.